You're listening to the Team Stripes Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to episode 70 of the Team Stripes Podcast, proudly presented by Acme Whistles, helping you make the big call since 1870. The legendary Acme Thunderer is now available in matte black. Acme Whistles, proudly associated with the NHL since 1917. Ross, how are you on this fine Monday afternoon? I am awesome. This is uh, take two at episode 70 of the podcast. Me and oh. Brendan got about 20 minutes in and realized, oh crap, we didn't hit the record button. So, uh, you know, as usual, the level of professionalism is second to none. And the worst but, part um, was, is we were having a great show up until that point. And then oh, all of a sudden, I know. The show, we were doing so good and oh. we're, never, we're not going to be able to recapture that because mm-hmm. the first take so is the best. And I was like, oh, but, I'm not recording. So I'm doing good. It's hot and humid in Tampa. We're one away from the Stanley Cup. I called it Tampa in six. I think it's going to happen tonight. And uh, for those of you that are watching on uh, the, the video side of the podcast on YouTube, you can see that I am proudly wearing my brand new, just got in the mail today, Team Stripes referee sweater. It is awesome. It's got my number on it. I got the Team Stripes logo. It's the NHL style. It's a sweet jersey. I can't wait till uh, we um, were able to make these readily available for everybody. We did a run. I think Brandon said we ended up, um, I think about 300 jerseys were made. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited. Hopefully this is going to be an item in the store where everybody can get a NHL style, their number, and the whole bit. So, yeah, it's pretty I, sweet. Uh, I'm loving it. You're you're like definitely looking bucks. sharp. Yes, I am. And I feel I, like I definitely want one, if not a lot of them. I didn't buy <laughs> one in the first run through, but hopefully, like you said, they'll be on our store soon and we can buy those. They are awesome. I'm, uh, I'm gonna go ahead and rock one tonight for men's league. I, I would have, a thousand percent I bought a I bought a referee and a linesman, so they just look so good. Yep. I got I got my referee number for my association on this one, and on my linesman sweater, I put my uh, Coast League number on it. Hopefully, USA so. Hockey approves them in the near future, so we can start rocking them at whenever we want. Oh, I know, right? They but just look so much better. You did mention Game Six. That is tonight. Uh, yep. You obviously have Tampa winning tonight. I do. Tampa is 6-0 and after following a loss this playoff run, which is absolutely insane. They could make it 7-0 and tonight, which if they do, Vasilevsky would become only the second goaltender in the NHL to go 7-0 and after following a loss in the playoffs. And he ties Mr. Nikolai Habibulin. N- Nikolai Habibulin, who won us the cup in 2004. So how, how fitting – would that be that, uh, that, that that happens? And, you know, it's funny. When they were up 2-1 to one in game five, I was like, man, this will be great. If they win game five, 2-1 to one, to win the cup, they also won game seven in 04, 2-1 to one, to mm-hmm. win the cup. Yeah, I mean, good on Vasilevsky. Habi Bulin was an amazing goaltender. Mm-hmm. I, I just thought that was a really cool stat that the fact that after a loss you go six and oh so far, potentially seven oh tonight. Like to me, that's just yep. mind blowing. Yep. The the bounce back. It's I mean it's resiliency on the goaltender's part. I agree. And Ross, who do we have officiating tonight's game? Tonight's game. So we have 
the number 11 car, Kelly Sutherland, and the number four car, Wes McCauley. On the on with the bands on and on the lines, we got number seventy-one Brad Kavachik and number eighty-three Matt McPherson. All senior guys, all good referees. I really hope uh, referees and linesmen. Hoping uh, Suds has a good bounce back after uh, game four. Obviously, Wes is Wes, so uh, should be a good night. Shouldn't have any issues with the officiating. So and then if this as goes far as game, seven. Yeah, so if this goes to seven, so the referees we have available are Wes, Kelly, uh, Sharon, Cozy, and um, O'Rourke. And O'Rourke. Who are you putting on game seven? I mean, obviously Cozy and, and O'Rourke have the night off, and so does Sharon. So easy pick could be Cozy and, and O'Rourke, but Steve Cozeri. Uh, so what what are you doing? Are you are you going to give West that assignment though? I'm definitely going with O'Rourke, uh, just because I mean that man has been around in the league I think since I was born, <laughs> and if, the other one's so that that's a tough one because yeah because you like, don't do want you go... West going six seven, mm-hmm. or I mean ideally you don't want that, but at the same time it's West McCauley. If there's a guy that you put in both game six and seven, it would be Wes McCauley. So yeah. O'Rourke, O'Rourke and McCauley, I think they would do great. Any of the five, insert whoever you want, and they will yeah, be Yeah, for sure. It's just like, man, do you – like, God, it'd be uh, – it'd be a tough decision to make. I, I whether think – be. I think uh, – I think it's going to be Kozarian O'Rourke, but um, – I wouldn't be surprised if Wes and if it's Wes and O'Rourke. And then so. you talked about Sutherland having a bounce back game after Game Four. Mm-hmm. I think it's a massive elephant in the room. There was two calls that I don't want to say are bad. I don't want to say they were missed or mistaken. But look, they happened. One of them cost the Stars the win. If you want to look at it that way. Um, the other one cost Tampa a power play late in the third period with an embellishment call that was, I mean, I don't know who got hooked, but he got hooked right in the nuts. Oh, it was Braden Point. Okay, so Point gets hooked directly into the family jewels and goes down, obviously, as I think 99% of our listeners would. And yep. he got called for an embellishment call. Ross, what do you got on it? Um, I I think so. When we're in a situation like that, um, especially in leagues where we have embellishment available as a call, um, obviously it's not in the USA Hockey Rulebook. Correct. But if you want to, you could use unsportsmanlike conduct, um, and I have done it. That's just one of those things where I feel like as a team we got to get together. Like mm-hmm. if you feel. I think an embellishment one would be is is definitely one where like okay hey so we got a hook in an embellishment hey guys do you have an embellishment there like what do you guys think like I just think we should get together on that because I, I feel like if if they would have gotten together um, I think one of the linesmen might have said hey he got sticked in the nuts you know yeah I mean we obviously get the luxury of having. 26 different camera angles and super slow-mo replay. 
thank you to the NHL for that. These guys don't. These guys have to look at it in, you know, real time. No, no second guessing. And he went with what he saw. Was it the right call? No. But look, these guys are still human at the end of the day. Mistakes happen. And, and to me, it's more of a teaching tool for younger officials and newer officials that, hey, look, even these guys that are the best of the best are still making mistakes. They're still learning. Mistakes still happen. Yep. And yeah, it, it's just I, I think if we get together as a team there, um, we avoid that situation. I agree. So, and then the other – It sucks, call, and obviously the, the person that's going to be most upset about it is the guy that throws his arm in the air. And the other call on that was in overtime of game four, the slew foot on Jamie Ben that I don't know if I would call that a slew foot. Again, it was, that was just, it was an awkward place to be like Ben's reaching across his legs behind Johnson's it's, it's one of those things where as a player, like you got to be smarter than that. Like Jamie Ben kind of put himself in that position. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you think about where uh, the back referee is in that, in that situation, like where he's looking at it, it looks like a slew foot. So of course you're going to call it. Yeah. So it's an optics thing. And plus on top of that, obviously the lightning had already killed a penalty in that overtime. So Dallas had the chance to score on the power play and, and they couldn't do it. And then yeah. the Lightning get their power play and they score. So Yeah, it's definitely I mean you can't you can't pin the loss on 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 a call, good, bad, or ugly, however you want to do it. We as officials, we make the calls. They can be wrong. I guarantee you ninety percent of my calls are wrong. These guys probably probably only 2%. We're linesmen. We don't I, know what we're doing. I know exactly. That's why when I have the bands on, like, it's who knows. But, like, these guys, I yep. mean, look, these guys are the best in the world, period. There's, that, that's, there's, no, there's no questioning that. They, these guys are the best of the best, even, because they're in the Stanley Cup final. Mistakes happen. They're humans. The Stars had a chance to score on a power play earlier in overtime, but because of their power play – is I believe it's like one for 16 now in this mm-hmm. series. Bad. I, it, the it, Lightning it, are like 50%. Yeah, it's – I mean, the, the Stars, if they were even close to 50% on power plays, would have wrapped up this series already just based on the <laughs> fact of power play goals alone. Yeah, um, probably. I do wish, though, in those situations that the coach's challenge was a little bit – I guess extended so they could challenge a few more things so they could challenge maybe. Well, and then obviously that goes in, that goes in line with the icing call too. So we got those penalties and then that icing call in game five, which thank God the lightning didn't score on that off that icing because we'd be listening to Dallas stars fans, the way stars fans listen Mm -hmm. to Sabres fans, just like lightning fans listen to Calgary flames fans (laughs) had to throw that shot in there. Yeah, but I mean, um, it's just one of those things like, but if you notice the gamesmanship of the referees taking their sweet ass time, getting them to line up for that face off. So, yeah, I mean, that icing call, if you didn't see it, it went off uh, the the crook of Vasilevsky's pad and behind the goal line, the referee was on the far side looking at the benches. He wouldn't have had 
any chance to see where the puck hit. The linesman in that situation is looking at who's going to win the race. Is the goalie moving? Is this even still icing? Like he's there's so many things going yeah, through his mind. Well, yeah, clearly. And you so see just, that you see that play, and you're like, okay, it hit the post. Yep. That uh, I mean, that's what I thought happened watching yeah. it live until they showed the replay. I was like, whoa. Mm-hmm. So, I I do wish that coaches had a I guess a wider range of what they could challenge, even mm-hmm. if they do institute that. Hey, if you challenge this penalty or this icing and you get it wrong, it's it's going to be a bench minor for you. For or the we just game. you know, or something I just thought about is we just change the rule. If you ice the puck and it hits the goal post, crosses the goal line, it's not icing because it's a shot on goal. But it's not a shot on goal. But it is. Mm-mm. Not in the official stats. A shot on goal has to be like it's. it's I know how how we, I was we need, told. Like, it's got to be going in the net for a shot on goal, which I think is gotcha. Dumb. Yeah, well, yeah, it, but if you hit the post and it goes out of play, it stays in because they say it's a, a shot at the net. So whatever, it's a shot attempt. Yeah, I I just think it'd be one of those things if we make a hitting the goal post a shot on goal and say if it hits the goalpost and crosses the goal line, now we eliminate any chance of that happening. But, again, it's a one-in-a-million thing, so who cares? Yeah, it's like it, definitely, one of those things. it definitely sucks that it happened, and it happened in the cup finals. Mm-hmm. But, look, it happens. Yep. Um, also, in game three, I think we have to talk about the one and only Mr. Steven Stamkos making yes. his, his beautifully long-awaited return for him to score a goal and have two minutes and 47 seconds of ice time. Which was less than one shift that Victor Hedman had in a game four, game five. five. Game five. He had a three-minute, two-second shift. Unreal. I Um, mean, you know, Steven's just the most unlucky player in hockey, man. He mm -hmm. just – the guy works his ass off. He's a damn good goal scorer. He just keeps getting hurt. It sucks. It sucks his body's failing him, but it is what it is, you know, like – but man, that goal was amazing. I thought he was going to jump over the glass. I yeah. I mean, thankfully, at the end of the day, uh, because he did play in a Cup final game, and I think it's like forty-one regular season games. Well, name, you, it's either or. You have to do forty-one regular season games or one playoff game to get your oh, okay. name on the cup. So either yeah. way, his name's going on the Stanley Cup at the end of the day for it to be engraved there for and, many, many And years. if he didn't qualify, I guarantee you the NHL would have made an exception. Oh, to yeah. To the rule for Stamkos. 100%. The, I mean, however that works, I believe the team just sends in a list of names. His name yeah. would have been on there. Hopefully we see more of him next year. Hopefully it's not anything career-ending. But yep, as you said, not. he's good for an injury once a year, which sucks because mm-hmm. he is – he is a phenomenal player, phenomenal talent. He is. And having him and Cooch on the power play is just unreal. Yeah, I mean, that it's dangerous, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, let's, uh, let's talk about our interview. Yeah, so our interview for this week is Mr. Andy Hudson. He is the – a lot of you guys might recognize that name from Facebook with the – it's the – Missouri, Missouri Ice Hockey, Ice Hockey Officials Association. My hello. Yeah, I, I always see MI. He does their. 
he does their uh, no MI is Michigan. MS is I don't Mississippi. Know. Um, he does all their recruiting and he's got that podcast that he does where they do live streams and mm-hmm. good guests and all of that. So he's a good dude. We had a great interview with him. I jumped in a little late cause I was teaching a level one seminar, but I hope you guys enjoy the interview. On this week's episode of the team stripes podcast, I would like to welcome to the podcast, Mr. Andy Hudson, the official, uh, education coordinator and development for the Missouri Ice Hockey Officials Association. Andy, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Brandon. Now, uh, I want to know what is what is your role as the development and education coordinator? Like what all, I guess, entails that? Yeah, thanks. Um, so uh, my role with Missouri Ice Hockey Officials Association is to oversee our entire development and education program, um, all the way from the grassroots officials, educating new officials, um, training our members uh, throughout all levels from youth through into high school and and juniors, um, and to really identify officials within our association who uh, have potential and that we recognize can potentially move up to higher levels and eventually potentially the, the ODP and junior hockey into minor pros. Okay. So you, I think do something that I've never seen before and it's your live streams on Facebook. What, I mean, what idea, like where'd that come from? Like, how'd you think of that? Cause I mean, it's a very, it's a genius idea, but it's just something we've never seen, I guess, at a grassroots level. Like, how'd you think of that? Yeah, so, well, it's kind of a funny story. Uh, my real job is a director of marketing for a company that we provide corporate gifts and incentives for different uh, corporations for their loyalty and, and, and uh, employee recognition programs. And I had always, when COVID set in, I had always wanted to do something for, for my real job that involves some sort of interactive interview. And I was familiar with Facebook Live and other live platforms. And so... Uh, I had one scheduled with one of our brands that we represent. And about, I don't know, five days prior, I recognized that I hadn't done enough with Facebook Live and I wanted to do a practice run. So I called a hockey referee friend of mine, Joe Sullivan, who uh, is well known in the uh, collegiate hockey experiences. He, uh, he works for the NCHC as a full-time referee. I guess it's not full-time in college, but as a referee. And he came up through the ranks of the ODP program and, and worked as high as the American Hockey League. And I called Sully on a Sunday and I said, hey, I need you to do something for me. I need you to say yes. And he's like, okay, yes, what is it? And I said, I need you to go live with me on Tuesday so I can test out a platform that I'm going to use for my real job. And so this was in March. And he's like, okay, I'll do it, fine. So we did it. Um, and I think we put it on YouTube at first. We did put it on YouTube at first and, uh, a lot of people watched it and we had a great time. I just enjoyed talking hockey with him. I enjoy talking hockey with anybody, especially officiating. And, uh, from there I said, Hey, let's just do this every week. So started doing it every week and, uh, it just really grew from there. And what, what's been neat about it is, uh, and I don't mean to ramble, but, uh, it's just allowed me to connect with a lot of people that I've known kind of a little bit but to get to know them better, to explore officiating, to learn a little bit about how they got involved in this wonderful pastime and to really just 
kind of help spread the word on how great officiating can be. I try to keep them very positive um, and uh, talk a lot about, about the great aspects of officiating and uh, just tell stories and, and have a good time. So on, on this uh, live stream, what, like, do you try and I guess like educate people or is it more so just telling about stories, like showing people that, Hey, like refereeing is actually really fun and something you should do. Well, it's not really a formal education platform, really, Brendan. I mean, it's more of just a conversation and to have some fun. And if education happens along with it, then, then that's wonderful. Um, really, what I hope to accomplish from these things, and it's kind of, it really wasn't the intention going into it, but really it's like if somebody out there, no matter where they are, even if, if they're in St. Louis where we're based, great. If they're where you're based down in Texas, that's fine, wherever. If somebody tunes into one of these things and says, you know what, that looks like a cool thing to give a try. Uh, and they come out and they lace them up and throw on the stripes and, and, and give it a go. Um, that's really my hope. And even if it happens, if, if, if it works for one official, if it brings, uh, recruits one new member to our family, the USA Hockey Officiating family, then I feel like I've accomplished something. Okay, so uh, I want to know a little bit about yourself. I mean, like, where's your, I guess, background and, and all of that with officiating? Sure. So um, I started when I was 15 um, in Albuquerque, New Mexico, a matter of fact, which is the hockey hotbed of the U U.S., right? Um, and I happened to live right near the ice rink. There was one ice rink in the entire state, uh, indoor anyway. There was an outdoor rink uh, up in the mountains, believe it or not. And uh, I just was a, a rink rat as a player. And I decided to give officiating a try. A friend of mine asked me one day after practice if I wanted to make six bucks cash. And I said, sure. And so he, uh, he threw me an extra whistle and I went out there and tried it and I, I fell in love with it. Um, from there, I worked you know, my way up through youth hockey like everybody does. And uh, it was very unique being in, in New Mexico. There was one rink and there was a very few number of officials. So it's kind of like we just worked all the games. Um, eventually I went to uh, school in Colorado, Colorado State University up in Fort Collins. And then I started taking officiating a lot more seriously at that point, um, working my way up through youth hockey and eventually did some uh, ACHA college club hockey. And there was an old junior league called the American Frontier Hockey League, which everybody called the awful. <laughs> and uh, we, uh, we did some junior hockey there. Uh, and then uh, eventually um, worked my way into minor pros. This was kind of before the ODP happened. Um, I did attend a USA Hockey regional camp, which I think is called Futures Camp now up in, up in Michigan, and uh, was uh, eventually asked to work some minor pro hockey in what's called the Western Professional Hockey League. And in fact, I just did one of our, uh, my whole live broadcast with two former Western Professional Hockey League referees. Uh, we did it together. And uh, uh, one of my guests on the last episode, Brian Bull, he and I were roommates together. And, and we worked about, I worked about 70 games that first season as a linesman. And I think Brian and I worked 55 of them together. So, uh, you know, we kind of were always in sync. We knew, we knew when each, each other were going to sneeze or whatever. And uh, uh, anyways, it was a good time. Um, it was the wild, wild west. It was a lot of fun hockey. And from there, I've just continued to work at various levels of hockey. I don't consider myself really a great official. Um, uh, I feel like I've, I've learned through the years to, to become a, a good official. Um, 
and uh, just I just really love still skating and 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 mainly now as I've gotten older is is really given back to the the newer officials and the younger officials who who are coming up through our association. So how easy was it for you to skate 55 games with the same guy? <laughs> I mean, because you either you either going to hate him or you're going to love him. Hopefully you love him because you're going to spend that much time together. But like, how easy was it? Well, uh, you know, I did love him <laughs> as a roommate, right? As a roommate, as a fellow official, a great guy. Um, and, 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 you know, we shared similarities in that we both kind of loved officiating and came up officiating. Um, that's a great question. Uh, we traveled together. We shared an apartment together. Uh, you know, we, we shared West Texas car rides to these, these rodeo barn rinks together. So it, we had a lot of fun. Um, working together was fantastic because as we began to work more games together and eventually 50 to 55 or whatever the number was, um, talk about really being in sync and, and, you know, from a, from a technical perspective of officiating, we really had each other as supported as linesman partners. We really knew we could tell when one of them was, one of us was going to bail on the line, you know, we call it pulling the, pulling the chute. And the other could step up and, and, and cover his cover the partner. And we just were really in sync that way. Um, there's some old videos out there of us breaking up fights together. And we kind of had uh, the, the understanding that since he was the taller and stronger guy, he'd take the, he'd take the aggressor. And then I'd take the guy that was getting, getting the crap beat out of him, which uh, I appreciated. So, um, but, uh, but it, it was a great time. And, and Brian Bull is a, is a great guy. We, we hadn't talked in years until our recent, our recent, uh, live episode and it was really great to reconnect with an old friend so then the western pro league what was that like just as in general i mean that i i hear stories all the time from the older officials and it's it just sounds like it was a jungle yeah well so let's remember this was when hockey was was still pretty new to the southern part of the U.S. and they started putting teams in in New Mexico, one team in New Mexico and several in, in Texas. And so um, a lot of these guys were uh, the players. The majority of the players were Canadians that were, you know, maybe trying to make a go of it after playing juniors or maybe Canadian collegiate hockey. But more so they were, I think they were coming down to just have a good time and to play hockey and to, um, you know, do something other than maybe what they had to do back home. Um, but it was a, it was a very physical league. Uh, some of the buildings were smaller than typical ice surfaces. So there was a lot of, there, there wasn't a lot of space sometimes. Um, there wasn't a lot of skill, although there were some skilled players, um, but it was very physical. And of course, this was before the, the standard of play issue with hooking and holding. And so there was a lot of just, you know, water skiing behind guys play on. And the referees back then were like, hey, how can we get through a game calling as few penalties as possible without getting anybody killed? <laughs> and so um, lots of fights, um, lots of physical play. Uh, fights in the stands sometimes between players and and uh, and fans. I hate to say, um, you know, it was it was a lot like slap shot, honestly, um, and lots of fun stories though that that that, that I'll remember forever. And I'm, I've been reminiscing a lot lately, and uh, and I just I just have a good time remembering those times. 
So what was it like, I guess, in the early days of coming into the South and there being professional hockey? I mean, I know El Paso had a team, Amarillo had a team. Like, what was that like? So it was very unique because there, some of these places had had hockey at one time, a long, you know, like 20 years prior, maybe even 30 years prior in an old league called, I think it was the old central hockey league. Honestly, mm -hmm. I could be wrong, but, um, but m mostly there was no hockey around. And so like there were people that were involved in the rink, like off ice officials who'd never been involved in hockey. And, you know, you think, well, we need a penalty box attendant that knows when to open the door or when not to open the door uh, or what coincidental minors mean and, 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 and how all this, or if a 10 minute misconduct is, is being served, you don't open the door during play. Um, and so it was, it was a real educational experience. I mean, we'd go into rinks in the early season and there was one rink we went into in San Angelo, Texas, and the netting for the goals had not yet arrived. And it was an hour before the game. And so they had the goal frames, but no netting. And they found these plastic or like PVC roller hockey nets. And we use those for a whole game and they pack slush behind the nets to, so that they wouldn't move. I mean, and, and if a guy had taken a slap shot and if it rung off the post, it'd probably break the net or break the goal frame. Um, there was a rink that the Zamboni broke and they didn't have an extra Zamboni. So they had to scrape the ice with a, a tractor that was pulling a piece of plexiglass. You know, I mean, it was just, it was, it, it's like you were never surprised by anything that happened. Um, announcers that would that would be completely biased towards the home team, and if you as an official called a bad call on their team, they'd they'd berate you over the the PA system. <laughs> I mean, it was it was crazy, but it it was a lot of fun. Um, so to go along with that, I guess to turn back more so towards what we're doing now. Um, what, how are you retaining officials? I know we have that. I mean, that's a huge problem everywhere. How are you doing that? Well, that was one of our challenges when we started this program about five or six years ago is we, our board had identified that we were losing so many officials after their first or second year, uh, especially the first year. And we recognized that if we could keep those officials for, uh, at least three seasons or get them through their second season that the chances of them sticking around were much greater. So we completely changed the focus of our association to focus less on our veteran members and our go-to members and to, and to put more resources into uh, retaining officials. And um, it's, man, it's, it's been so great over the years to see how it's, how it's really improved. Some of the things that we've tried, and, and, and we just try things and see if they work. Um, we have an equipment loan program, and we've been fortunate enough to receive grants from our state hockey affiliate and also the um, St. Louis Blues Foundation, which is called Blues for Kids. And we actually provide equipment to young officials during their first year at no charge. Um, and that allows them to get into officiating. Um, as you all know, probably officiating equipment, if you needed to start out with a new helmet and visor and and uh, slacks or trousers or uh, pants and pads and jerseys. I mean, you're looking at a couple hundred, 300 bucks. Um, so we're able to do that, reduce the initial expense for them to get involved. That's just one part of it. Um, we also devote a lot of resources into our mentor program. And we have about 30 or so members 
that are veteran members that um, are willing to go out and be with our new officials during their first game or first couple of games. And that is crucial is having somebody out there to mentor and support a brand new official, no matter their age during that first game, because it's a make or break situation. And so our association here, our youth association allows us to go out on the ice at the squirt and peewee level and mentor these new officials right there on the ice with them. We kind of shadow them. Um, we give them feedback, immediate feedback. And it's amazing the times I've gone out there before with a brand new official to see them improve from that first shift to by the third period where they're reading and reacting to the play. They're not watching the game. They're officiating the game because we've, we've just implemented right then and there on the ice. Hey, you need to, you need to read that defenseman backing up and you need to back up and get to your blue line quickly. For example, um, you know, it's just, it's just been amazing. Um, we have an event coming up tomorrow that, that is an introduction to what we call our advanced development program, where we're identifying officials that are kind of in that 18 to 25 year old age group that have good potential. And we have about 10 officials that are already in that age group that we think can move on up to the next level. But then I'm really excited that we've invited 40 ish younger officials that are like 15 to 18 um, we're calling there. We're calling like they're on the radar. There are radar guys that are going to be in that age group in the future. And I think 20 of them or so have accepted the invite to come to this meeting and skate tomorrow where we're going to, we're going to push them or challenge them. We're going to kind of evaluate them and see what they got. And uh, you know, by nature, we're all competitive people, right? And, and the hockey officiating is a competitive pastime, just like playing is we all want to get the best game assignments. And uh, so when we push each other along as, as, as partners or officials, um, that aspect of it really gets the blood boiling, you know, because you, you say, hey, I'm going to get that choice playoff assignment, or I'm going to move up from JV to high school hockey, and that's going to be my goal for the season. And if we can push people and, and give them a little motivation to get there, uh, it just helps with their, their development um, um, significantly. So... Uh, the difference between the mentor program and then like the advanced you said is just, mm -hmm. I guess like the level, how much do you give like extra training to, I guess, either of the programs or is it just kind of like, Hey, you're part of this group. You're going to work with more senior officials. It's a little bit of both. Um, we, our advanced program, we start integrating those officials into games uh, right away with veterans. Um, oftentimes we'll identify a weekend that has a bunch of games. We have one next weekend here in St. Louis, which is an NAPHL event. Um, and so our advanced development program officials that are youngish, 18 to 25, will assign them games along with some vets um, so that they get that experience and they have somebody there that's, you know, been around the block a time or two and can help them if something weird happens. Um, and then we, we have training throughout the year. Um, we've partnered with Team Stripes, in fact, with the Don Koharski um, Online Academy. And we actually have subscriptions for that for our members. Um, and we can, again, through grants that we've applied for, we were able to fund it, which has been fantastic. And so we can use those subscriptions to give 
access to our members to this really great training that Team Stripes has produced along with Don Koharski and um, give them some extra training uh, ability. Don Koharski actually lived in St. Louis for several years and his son, Jamie, his son, Jamie came up through our association and he started together. And if you want to hear some funny stories about Jamie, I'm happy to share those as well. But, <laughs> um, but uh, so it's been fantastic. It's a, um, but, but honestly, Brendan, uh, um, it, it, it's almost a case by case situation because every official is different, right? Um, some officials, they're going to school, they're playing hockey on one or two teams. Some officials, they're out of school, they're already working, or all they're doing is officiating. Uh, some have a girlfriend. Some have, you know, other stuff going on in their lives or even a young family. And we have to just kind of on a case-by-case basis understand, you know, where does hockey officiating fit into your overall life? And if it's an important part of your life, we're going to help it, help it become more important if it's not as important, but you want to make it more, you know, a more significant part of your life, you know, we're happy to help you help you get there. Really quick. Can oh. you touch on the grants? Because I think that's a really cool idea. And I know most places I've reft, it's kind of, I mean, you don't get free gear like the players would when you're first trying out, like, how'd you, how'd you apply for the grants? Like where, where should organizations be looking for those? Mm-hmm. Well, um, we, we identified that if we wanted to accomplish our goals that we needed funding and that was our, that's probably the first thing you need to do is you need to say what, you know, what, what programs do I want to try and how much is it going to cost? So we put some, you know, we, we put our pencil, sharpened our pencil and, and did some math and we recognized that in order to accomplish our goals, we needed some funding. And so we immediately started kind of researching uh, where we could, achieve some, some, some funding outside of our normal funding mechanism through like game fees and, and all of that. Um, and most NHL hockey teams have a foundation and most NHL hockey teams foundations have some aspect to them that involves support of youth hockey. And so uh, we're fortunate that the blues for kids foundation has supported us for many years, very generously. And we demonstrate how officiating helps youth hockey. And it really does help youth hockey because you have to have officials in order to, you know, accommodate the growth of youth hockey. There has to be officials there. Not only does it help that aspect of it, but young officials gain so much more from officiating than just money or just fitness. And all of that is important. Yes. But the leadership skills they gain, the interpersonal skills that they gain, having to communicate, work with a teammate, having to make tough decisions in high intensity environments. Um, I mean, let's face it, some of these squirt and peewee games, especially with parents yelling and screaming can, can be intense. And these kids have to, have to be ready to make some tough decisions. Um, also state hockey affiliates through USA hockey. And I don't know the, all the details on this, but most state hockey affiliates in USA hockey receive some sort of funding from USA hockey. And a lot of that funding is earmarked for development of hockey. Well, officiating is development of hockey. So if your association can get into that mode and contact your state association and get into that mix, more often than not, the state association is going to recognize in order for us to grow youth hockey and players the officiating program 
has to be part of it too. We can't forget about them. And uh, who knows if they'll say yes, but at least you can start that conversation. And they've been, uh, Missouri Hockey Incorporated has very, been very generous with us too and supportive and, and we can't thank them enough as well. Hey, Andy Ross here. Sorry, uh, sorry I'm late. Um, I'm instructing a level one seminar today. So that kind of goes along with what you were just talking about, you know, our, our young officials. So first of all, pleasure to meet you. Um, I've actually watched a lot of the Zoom calls that you guys have done. Yeah. Um, and uh, to talk about the Koharskis, they're a fun bunch. Uh, I've gotten to become pretty good friends with Jamie as he lives here in Tampa now. Um, Let's see, what was I going to say? I just had something. Uh, to go along with that with that stuff, like, I'm definitely going to look into that for our area, like, as far as that goes. And then, Myhoa, you guys are one association for the entire state, correct? Well, we actually oversee the eastern half of the state. Okay. Um, and so St. Louis, uh, Springfield, Missouri, um, and Jefferson City area, and okay. then actually Springfield, Illinois, too. And then the Kansas City Hockey Association, Officials Association, manages the western side of the state. Okay. Okay. I wasn't sure how that worked. Because, like, obviously here in Florida, we have Tampa, Orlando, and then all of South Florida is their own thing. So, um, uh, shoot, I'm blanking. <laughs> Rough day. My, my level one is, is going on in my head right now. Well, I tell you what, I'll, I'll, I'll help you out. Um, I'll ask you a question. Sure. Go how for it. has the virtual seminars this year? Cause I've been hosting some of those myself. Yep. How challenging have those been for you from the, the producer standpoint? Um, well, luckily I haven't had to be the producer. Okay. So that's, that's been nice. We have uh, two gentlemen uh, within our state that have been handling those duties for every seminar. So I've done, I've taught three, I've done two level twos and a level three seminar or no, I'm sorry, two level ones and a level three seminar. They've been great. Honestly, like I don't mind this at all. I think it, it's nice as far as like, you know, you get to hang out at home, you know, uh, comfortable, whatever. It, it, it's not as much of a disconnect as I thought it was going to be. Mm -hmm. um, from being, you know, in the classroom, obviously the ideal situations in the classroom, having your ice session, but I definitely feel like these, uh, these seminars have been going very well. I know we had a blast doing our level four seminar. Um, and, uh, I, I just, the, the zoom capability is uh, almost as good as being in person. So I've, I've got no complaints and moving forward. I wouldn't be surprised if USA hockey keeps zoom seminars as a, as an option. Um, cool. Brendan, what do you got? Um, for the, I like them. I mean, I, as a level four, a, I don't have to do a skating test. That's always nice. <laughs> easy pass on that, on that check mark. But like, honestly, like I had more fun with it just cause I was able to stroll out of bed 10 minutes before, get a cup of coffee, <laughs> throw on a sweater. Like you, you don't have to go anywhere, which is awesome. Yeah. One, you know, one, one part that, that I've noticed, and this kind of also ties into what we're trying to accomplish is, um, and I agree that the Zoom sessions have been great. What's missing from them is that community and that camaraderie that you, oh, 100%. Get, that you get when you actually see somebody that you haven't seen all summer or, you know, in, in a couple of weeks or months or whatever the case may be. And I think what people don't understand out there that aren't officials is how much of a family officiating can be, whether you call it a fraternity or a family, 
or sorority in the case of, uh, you know, female yeah, for the females. Yep. But, um, but people don't understand that people just see, you know, if it's parents or coaches or players, they see the stripes and they see the helmet and, and they see the whistle. Yeah. They don't see always that there's a person behind that that is very passionate about, you know, keeping the game fair and safe, which is what it's all about. But even more importantly than that, they oftentimes don't recognize how tight knit the community is. I'm not from St. Louis and pretty much 95% of my connections in this town are through officiating. Uh, I've made my friends through it. I've, uh, I've networked my current role in my career is thanks to officiating has nothing to do with officiating, but I got connected to this group through a fellow official. Um, And the opportunities that officiating can provide outside of just ref in the game are just amazing. And so one thing that we've done is we have through our programs is we've put together these programs for young officials to say, Hey, come together and be a, a group of young officials and not just to officiate, but to get to know each other and to make new friends and to connect with some through something that you guys and gals enjoy doing. Um, and it's really paid off, I think. I can, I can definitely second that with, you know, my career in officiating. Like, I know people all over, like all over the country from officiating in, you know, we make friends with guys. Like, I've worked with guys now that are working the NHL or I've worked, you know, like, just anywhere in between from youth to that. So, and I always tell people too, like, they're like, Oh, why do you referee? Well, one, I enjoy it. I love the game, but y'all don't realize you think players and coaches have fun. You Mm -hmm. think the parents have fun. You ain't got no clue what goes on in the officiating world. We have a blast. Mm -hmm. Like there's no pressure on us during the games. Like we're just out there doing our thing. And then afterwards we get to go hang out with the boys and have a few sodas. Amen. You know, and, and the camaraderie is just, is second to none. Like I, I compare it to my time in the military, obviously, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, being military brotherhood, fraternity, sorority, that whole thing as well. Mm -hmm. And it's, I I've never seen or been a part of a more tight knit group other than when I was in the military with, with refereeing, like, you know, guys everywhere, like I could, you know, be anywhere in the country and like, Oh shit, I need a place to stay. Let's see. Where am I? Oh, I know a guy that lives here. Text yep. him. Yep. You know, it's, and, and the relationships you have, like I, all my best friends are all, all officials. Like, and then today during our level four seminar, we were talking about like a few of us have known each other almost 20 years and mm-hmm. we're only in our mid thirties. Like it's, it's crazy to think about like growing up together and, you know, you saying, getting these young officials together to, to like be friends and get to know each other. These guys don't realize this, but 20 years from now, they're going to be the ones sitting in our positions. Yep. Sharing these stories of, Hey, when we worked the NA together, or Hey, when we did this or when we did that, and they're going to be teaching the next guys. Cause at the end of the day, when we, when we talk about referee development, yeah, obviously getting to the NHL would be awesome for anybody, but that's winning the lottery. Right. You want to work the best level you can get to the highest level you can. But the part when it comes to USA hockey is when, once you achieve that, that level that you get to your next goal is to get the guy behind you there. Amen. Yeah. And so, yeah, right. Go ahead. Yeah, no, we've, I can't, I can't echo those comments enough because we have 
recognized that in order for us to be healthy as an association, we have to get more people involved. Mm -hmm. And my advice to any association out there is if you have a core group of board members or assigners or whatever your, your title is or officers, don't forget about the new members and put yourself in the shoes of somebody who's, who's just new to this and has only been around a year or two. Um, and they have good ideas too. All right. And to get somebody involved that's only been around for a couple of years, it, 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 it brings new energy and enthusiasm into your association and it can really help uh, get that spark going and, you know, new ideas and new optimism or just optimism in general um, can really help the health of, of any association. And, and we have to, um, you know, in the bigger picture, USA hockey has to continue to, involve as many different people in, in, yep. in the officiating department as possible to, to make sure we continue to, to retain and, and recruit new members. Well, like an, ex- and an example, like, you know, bringing up the new guys and whatnot. Yesterday, I worked a USPHL game here. We had a 45-year-old, a 37-year-old, and me being 34. Mm-hmm. Like, um, what are we doing here, guys? Like, where's our young guys? Like, and, and – I know we're kind of in a weird spot right now. Our young guys are all gone. We have, we have a couple in the ODP, a couple guys left, whatever, but it's like, man, we, we, I know we're kind of struggling a little bit with them younger officials, but we'll, we'll get, we'll get back there again. It's just definitely one of those things where it's like, Hey, we, we really need to, to invest in, and that's across the board. Like, you think about it anywhere now, thank God. I, I know in the 20, almost 20 years I've been doing this, I've seen that good old boy system that used to exist back in the day. That's gone now for the most part. I think it's and still, it, I think it's still out there in a way, but it's how do we recognize it, you know, and mm-hmm. identify it. The thing that, cool. the, the thing that I'm most proud of on our end, I don't mean to step on you here, but is no, we, go ahead. we uh, you know, we took, we looked at the numbers and we took uh, a look at our numbers from one year to the next, from when we started the program to when we implemented the pro or, or when we didn't have the program to when we implemented the program. And we looked at level twos. Mm-hmm. If you look at the level twos in your system, that is where your retention is right there. Yeah. So if you go from a hundred level ones and then the next year you only have 20 level twos, that's your problem. That's your problem. So what yeah. you need to do is you need to turn that 20 into the next year, turn it into 30 and the next year, turn it into 40 and the next year, turn it into 50 and so on. And we were able to do that. Now, six years later, those kids that were level twos six years ago are now level threes or maybe even level fours with four mm-hmm. or five years of experience or whatever the case may be. And guess what? They talk to their friends and their teammates who have younger brothers or younger sisters. And all of a sudden we have a whole new group of level ones and we just keep doing the same thing where we support them. We, we, we train them, we uh, coach them. And then our level two numbers have really, really helped that. And that's the key. That makes sense. Especially with, you know, the way you're doing your mentor program. And I know here for a little while, we kind of struggled with numbers as far as youth hockey goes, but obviously with the lightning and the position that they are, and they, they do a lot in the community. Like we're at the point now we have 
25 ish high school teams and mm. a ton of youth hockey. So it's definitely, it's the opportunities are there. That's for sure. It's just a matter of, um, getting, you know, getting guys to do it. And well, and you have the perfect, you have the perfect opportunity there with, with Jamie and Don Koharski. Oh yeah, for um, sure. Jamie, uh, Jamie definitely helps out when he can. Uh, Don's a little busy, you know, most of the year, but you know, we've, we've definitely, we've had them come and, and do a few things. Jamie's been pretty involved. Actually, he registered for a year and, and did some men's league games with us. So like he, he do men's league games with myself and like Charlie O'Connor, just, just for fun. But uh, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely huge having them around. And then we have um, TJ Luxmore also lives in the area. So mm-hmm. when, when he can, he helps out. I'll so, tell you two quick Jamie Koharski stories, three quick Jamie Koharski stories. All right, let's go. The first one is that we played on a, a men's team together called the Blind Mice. Okay. And he was the center and I was a winger and I was the, I was the playmaker and he was the goal scorer. So I would, okay. I could never, <laughs> I could never score goals, but I had pretty good hands to pass it anyway. Gotcha. So I just set him up and he'd score. The second story was the first ever time he lined a junior game in Springfield, Illinois for these, uh, um, junior blues, Jamie lining. That's a scary thought. <laughs> I was his linesman partner and a referee from named Jim Carrico from here. Don Koharski okay. drove us up in his, his in his Mercedes <laughs> at the end of the first period. It was a preseason game at the end of the first. So these teams, these players are still trying to make the team at the end of the first period. We have our first fight right at the horn. Okay. Guy gets his arm loose and pops the guy right in the nose and it explodes like a tomato. There's blood everywhere. We go in to break it up. And of course, as the veteran official, I take the guy who the puncher, Jamie gets the punchee who's got blood all over him. We get into the dressing room. Jamie has blood on parts of his body that I've never seen blood before. He had it on his helmet. He had it on his arm. He had it on his skates. He had it on his nameplate. I mean, it was, it was, it was ridiculous. That's amazing. And so Don comes in in between the periods and goes, he looks at, he looks at me and he looks at him and he goes, Jamie, you're the effing rookie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. The other story was in the old United Hockey League. Oh my goodness. The U-Haul. We, we were lying in the, he was lying in the game too. And, and I was his linesman partner. We get to the rink. Now it's an hour before the game. The referee hasn't shown up. Uh-oh. So we, we get on the horn with the league and we find out that the, that the referee, that two referees, this is the three man system, two yep. referees ended up in Fort Wayne, one of which was supposed to come to, to St. Charles. Saint oh no. Did, so they read the schedule wrong or yeah. did they schedule them wrong? I don't know, but. Oh so, my goodness. So I'm on the phone with the, with a guy by the name of Mitch Lamaru, who was the, like the coordinator. And I said, okay, one of the off-ice officials is a local linesman. He's going to get his bag. So we've got three officials. I said, I've got my orange armbands. I'll ref. Jamie will line with this other local guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mitch goes, put Jamie on. So, okay. So I give the phone to Jamie. Jamie is, I think, 18, maybe 17. Okay. I don't know. Jamie gets on the phone. Uh, yes, Mr. Lamaru. Um, he goes, uh-huh. uh-huh. What? wait, well, Huddy's here. Wait, you want me to do what? <laughs> oh, oh, okay. And he hangs up the phone. I said, what do you say? He said, I'm ref in the game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
And I go, I take my, because I didn't have, at the yeah, time, yeah. I didn't have my reference. Yeah, yeah. I just had an extra set of snap-ons. <laughs> Here you go, bud. And so I take my snap-ons off and give them to Jamie. And he goes, I guess I'm refing this pro game. It was his first pro game ever. That's amazing. And he did a great job. I mean, he, it was great. So we had a good time reminiscing with Oh, that. my goodness. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's such a good dude. Um, yeah. He, uh, it's funny. I was going through some personal stuff and like me and him became better friends through it. And uh, he got me into wrestling. So now our thing is we get together and watch wrestling pay-per-views once a month. <laughs> and then, so we got, there's one tomorrow night and uh, he texts me last night. He goes, if the boys win tomorrow, the lightning yeah. uh, I'm out. Cause uh, I'm be Liz partying. Of course. Uh, obviously his, his wife works for the team. So yeah. we'll tell him, Tell him hi when you talk to him. We've reconnected I, a little bit over the years. But. I, I, I will. I'll shoot him a text here in a few minutes. He's, he's such good people. We'll, uh, we'll definitely have to have you back to talk more about the, uh, the mentorship stuff. I think uh, it's something that across the board, I think with USA Hockey, we could all be better at. And I know like with the talks you guys do on, on Facebook and this and that, like I feel like you guys do a really good job within your association. But just having, you know, maybe a little more information and, and just touching base from time to time talking about that kind of stuff would be, would be awesome to, to spread your knowledge because it's definitely something that I think uh, a lot of people would like to hear. Well, hey, thanks, guys. I appreciate what you're doing as well. I mean, Team Stripes is a great, a great organization that, um, that Brandon and others have put together. Yep. Uh, and, you know, I'm just here. I'm just a a USA hockey member who loves hockey. I'm passionate about officiating and I love seeing our younger officials succeed. Uh, that's what really you know floats my boat right now, but I appreciate you guys having me on. Thanks so much. Thank well, you. We appreciate it. And uh, we'll definitely talk again soon. Hope you guys enjoyed that interview brought to you by our wonderful sponsors at Acme whistles, helping you make the big calls since 1870. The, the legendary Acme thunder ear is now available in matte black, Acme Whistles, proudly associated with the NHL since 1917. Ross, obviously you weren't there for the whole interview with your level one seminar, but what did you think of the interview? Dude, he's awesome. He's a good dude. I love what he's doing with his organization. I, uh, I need to get with him to try to implement some of the stuff he's doing there here. I just, man, this guy, he's got such a passion for officiating, such a passion for developing officials. We need more people like him. Um, and all, and like, there needs to be an, like, there needs to be an Andy Hudson in every association for referees. Like, that's just like, you need a guy like that. Like he's a um, uh, good dude, man. Awesome yeah, I, interview. I agree. I, uh, I never got to meet him before the interview. And talking to him, I mean, like, the guy just loved hockey. The guy loves hockey. Mm -hmm. And his biggest thing is is just getting kids and younger kids into the game to grow that next generation, which, at least down here in the U.S., is massive because a lot mm -hmm. of the guys I work with are all 10, 20, 30 years older than me. And the fact that I'm still a young guy is kind of weird. Um yeah. I, I agree though. Well, even that, me, I'm I'm 34 and I'm usually the youngest guy. Yeah, which not all the time. 
but a decent amount of time, like this past weekend, I did a junior set. I had a 45 year old, a 37 year old and me being 34, mm-hmm. which is just, I'm not saying it's bad by any means. I mean, look, no, I'll, I'll take I, the money and I enjoy doing those games, but yeah. And, and everybody there has the experience and, and the skills to be there. Mm-hmm. I just think, I mean, look, guys, guys are not going to be able to skate anymore. He's, he has some amazing ideas in my opinion on how to grow officiating, which I think has been so stagnant for so long. Mm-hmm. I, I think what he's doing is just fresh and cool and just smart. Like I want him mm-hmm. to come down to Dallas and get our mentor program and everything just up and running and flying. And, and it, it was, it was really honestly, really amazing. Speaking it, of, man older guys we had a a finally an official retirement coming from chris stewart today who after playing it was 668 nhl games finally announced his retirement he went to training camp with philly i guess technically this season even though it was a year ago he uh he had a great career i always loved watching him play he was a hard-nosed player he's been in the media for a year now I mean, all I got to say is congrats to Chris Stewart for a wonderful career. Ross, you got anything to add there? Uh, yeah, good hockey player, hard-nosed guy, played the game good, you know, played the game hard, played the game good. Uh, you know, played I mean, the was, game hard, you know, blue, blue-collar hockey player. Not, not, you can't really ask for much more out of a guy like that. No, it was – Not the he, most skilled, but, you know, he was a grinder. He played the game. He's what a locker room needed. He was a big locker room guy. Yep. For our rule of the week this week, though. Oh, did I, we get a winner last week for my crazy rule? Yes, we did. And that was actually surprisingly yeah. quickly. Um, let me – I can't remember what we asked last, last week, if we're being honest. The, the, uh, where is the face-off? Oh, okay. So uh, that was in the USA hockey rule book, if I remember correctly. Yep. It was the – Stays in the end zone. Yeah, even though, even though the attacking team is down a man from the uh, what happened after the whistle, it still stays in the offensive zone. It was on the level four test this year. Yes, it was. So, so what's our rule of the week this week? Uh, really quickly to go back to last week, the situation oh, was for anybody that forgot, it was a stoppage in Team B's offensive zone. Team A got a penalty, a delayed penalty, and then Team B got a penalty at the whistle. Where was the face-off? And it should stay inside, even though that is ridiculous in my opinion. This week's rule, we are going up into Hockey Canada's rule book for it. And I want to know how wide the center ice red line is supposed to be in Hockey Canada. It's a wild, it's, it's a wild number. It's very, very, very specific. Do we want it in meters, inches, centimeters? Like what unit of measure? I want it how it's in the rule book. And I will <laughs> so tell. The, so I, metric. <laughs> well, actually, I don't know why, but Hockey Canada also has it in inches. It has like, it, it says the number and then in brackets, it gives the inches number. So oh, okay. if you give me both, I want to know the rule number, the subsection, and then the actual width of the line. Because. Okay, cool. I, I don't know how many guys ever think about that ever because 
it's a red line. Why would you? On to the NHL, though. There's been a few trades and signings that we have to talk about. For trades, we've had two really, really big ones in the past week. We had uh, Pittsburgh making a swap with Florida. Pittsburgh got Mike Matheson, a D-man, and Colton Schwarvey. I believe is how you say it. I don't know. Not going to try. Um, all I know is Matheson's a bottom six D man and Colton is a bottom six forward. Colton played in Dallas, I believe, for a season or two. I always liked him. He was a good player. He was good in Florida. And that trade was with the Panthers, right? Correct. Florida received Mr. Hornquist. Hornquist. Good trade for the Panthers. It's a good Great trade. And it, I mean, I mean, the Lightning are still going to beat the crap out of them next year. So whatever. I mean, that's that's to be expected, though. I feel like it's so funny because obviously we got swept by Columbus, mm-hmm. and then this year Bob went to Florida and we just pounded him. Every game they played, they just pumped him. But when it mattered, they lost. Just remember that. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Another trade though that happened was uh, Detroit received Mark Stahl from the New York Rangers and a 2021 second-round pick for future considerations. As we would say here in Tampa, I believe in the Yeiser plan. So um, Steve's going to build something awesome in Detroit. I think Mark Stahl is a good pickup for some locker room leadership as he, as Yeiserman gets that team to be super young. They, they're definitely going to need a couple older guys, so Mark Stahl is a good fit. I agree. I mean, Mark Stahl's a great D-man. He's still got a few years left in the, in in his contract in the NHL. Um, future considerations, who knows what that's going to be. It could be a pick. It could be a player. It could be a bag of pucks. Yeah, who knows? Who knows at this point? And then one last mm-hmm. trade that uh, happened actually today between Chicago and Vegas. Chicago received Brandon Perry from Vegas and – Chicago sent over Dylan Sakura, a minor leaguer that I've never heard no. of. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Who I, I, That's I, off my radar. I remember hearing Brandon's name a few times this season, I think as like a fourth line guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't, I don't yeah, understand. That's that off my radar. I got, I got nothing for you on that one. Yeah. If you want more on that trade, listen to Chicklets. Exactly. (laughs) For uh, signings, though, we've had quite a few, but only three really stick out to me, and one of them was uh, Curtis Lazar re-signing with Buffalo for two years at a $1.6 million deal. I like Curtis Lazar. He he was on the Flames for a hot minute last year. Um, He's still a really young guy. I just – he – he had one or two good seasons in Ottawa and just he really hasn't found his way since. I I hope nothing but the best for him in Buffalo. I think he's a great player. I think he can flourish in Buffalo. I hope nothing but the best for him. Yeah. Well, Much hopefully the Sabres can start building something there too. Yeah. And Montreal re-signed Mr. Jeff Petrie for four years at twenty-five million dollars. 
just good a signing. A great signing. I mean, he's going to be part of the decor for a long, long, yep. long service. Long time. He's a serviceable player for them. He he's he's a good hockey player on that team. I agree. And then one last uh, signing that really stuck out to me was the Red Wings signed Mr. Sam Gagne for a one-year deal worth $850,000. I, th- I think it's really good to bring him in. Um, he's a veteran. He's been, he's been around the league forever. He knows what he's doing. He's a really good hockey player still. And I think at that cheap of a yeah, well, I mean, how do you go wrong? Yeah, you're you're not going wrong for signing a decent player for less than a million bucks. Exactly. And one last thing that we have to talk about today is a news article that I came across. I guess it would have been today it came out from the New York Times and it was written by a guy named Kurt Streeter. Never heard of him before. Never never seen him before, but he was his whole article it's titled uh hockey needs viewers it should not glorify pain and violence to get them now if you read this article i disagree with about 99.999 percent of it 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 talks about the nhl and the playoffs and how they are struggling to get viewership uh with battling through the nba football and every other major sport that comes on. And the NHL released a promo that they later deleted that it's literally their whole title was there is a price to pay. And it shows guys blocking shots, taking big hits, whatever you do to, to, to win the Stanley cup as everybody wants to do. And to me, well, he literally, I'm just going to cut in and say this guy clearly is not a hockey player. Nope. Probably played tiddlywinks or, you know, underwater basket weaving or something stupid like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, I'm sorry. Like, dude, our game is awesome. Um, I'm sorry that you don't enjoy watching it and you think it's too violent. Well, that's, that's the game of hockey. You know, it's, it's hard hitting. It's fast paced. There's a lot of goal scoring. It's. I don't understand why any uh, how anyone can trash our game. Yeah, like, I on, mean, dude. I definitely don't disagree be better with that. that. Um, my biggest issue is that he tried to bring up that fighting has been an issue in hockey, and sure, back in uh, the I don't 70s, know what I don't know what games he's watching because. Hockey fighting in the NHL is so far down, it's not even funny. Yeah, so obviously, I mean, back in the 70s and 80s, we had, we had line brawls galore, and it there was a lot of fighting. In today's NHL game, there's a whole lot less fighting. He obviously had to go at the fact that three minutes into the first game in the bubble, there was a fight. Clearly, to me, this guy's never played, never officiated, never done anything at a high level of hockey. Me being an, uh, an official, I think fighting in hockey is a necessity um, at certain levels, I should say. I don't think we need it in peewees or bantams or midgets, but I, I definitely, definitely, definitely think that in pro hockey and even high-level junior hockey, there needs to be fighting in hockey, not even for the simple fact that of, oh, that's what makes this game. It's just I think 
there is a need and a place for it. I I just like I, I don't understand these guys in these articles. Like I see them and I read them and I just I don't understand where they're really coming from. Um, well, they're coming from people that just they're not hockey people, clearly. Like they're yeah. just not hockey people. Um it's you know, the whole PC culture, the this, the that, whatever. It's just it's dumb. Whatever. Yeah, I mean honestly it's this guy's so far off my radar as far as that article goes, like buddy, don't don't stop wasting my time. Yeah, I it, don't it, write this garbage. It it happens. Or as to, uh, as a certain individual that uh, or a certain individual would say, you are fake news. Yeah, uh, it it popped up on my Twitter. I just me being me, I clicked on it and obviously I I read it, but I just wanted to bring mm-hmm. that up that I think it's a joke that that they're even writing hey, about hey, whatever you the guy's got the right to his opinion i don't agree with it so any whatever, price dude. is good press though for the nhl <laughs> right exactly so but uh with that we got game i think six with that on. said yeah we got 20 minutes till the puck drops so yeah so we're gonna we're go gonna bolts. go go stars i got the stars running tonight no. I, I just don't want the bolts to go seven and oh yeah after well loss. i do <laughs> and uh, also, uh, just a quick plug, if, um, if anyone who hasn't seen it, watch the video that they produced the other night with uh, O'Rourke and Macaulay it was for great. Game 3. It was so good. And then uh, don't forget to check us out on social media at Go Team Stripes on multiple different forms. Uh, so we got, uh, I think, Instagram, uh soundcloud obviously facebook twitter facebook twitter you name it brendan's on it um we have our ice hockey referee club facebook group and then obviously we got to plug the team stripes academy for those of you guys looking to improve your game want to learn a little more uh and uh, learn it from one of the greatest ever put on the stripes uh don koharski's master course on officiating is available at the team stripes academy with that said, I think, Brendan, any, any last words? Just really quickly, anybody that wants to see that video of – it was before game three. Um, it will be up on – I will post it on all of our pages. So any social media that awesome. you find, go to it and you'll find the link. But besides that, go Stars and see you guys next week. Go Bolts. Let's win the Cup. Let's win the Cup.